tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's the Awesome Week 16 NFL DFS Final Look Show, sponsored by Yahoo. And guys, all I want for Christmas, I know it's a day after, but... All I want, YouTube subscriptions, YouTube likes. Give me those two things, and I'll be a happy boy. Greg Ehrenberg here, joined by Jeff Ulrich. Week 16, really what I think is the last really good NFL DFS week. You know, there's playoffs, and there's week 17. Week 17 is always a little difficult to figure out, and then playoffs are shorter slates. So this is really the first, I mean, not the first, the last really good full slate of the year. Do you agree with that, Jeff? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh Definitely, like you said, like week 17 is obviously a full slate, but man, it is a crapshoot. Like it is, it's like playing NBA DFS because <laughs> of all the injuries and stuff. And you got to be, um, you've just got to be up to date on the lineups and stuff. So, um, you know, just weird things can happen. Guys, you think you're going to play full games, end up playing like halves and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, week 17 is a bit of a crapshoot. It's still kind of fun, but I like the playoffs. The playoffs are good slates, in my opinion. Like, those are really good to, uh, mini slates, but it, it, they're not full slates, right? So it's different strategy and stuff. You're right. This is the last kind of real full slate that we have for the year. Uh, yeah, so let's make a good one. Yeah, and there's some interesting strategy that we'll have to talk about for this slate, too, because it, even though it's the last full slate, it's also 10 games, which in general is a lot of options. But for, for a football slate, it's pretty small, and it's going to make some – uh, decisions in terms of lineup building because we don't have like stud running backs to pay up for and then it looks like there could be a decent amount of value at the wide receiver position but as per usual starting at the quarterbacks the chalk of the position no real surprise at this point Patrick Mahomes going up against the Falcons projected for nearly 20 percent ownership and while that number does seem high for a quarterback the last I looked at our top stacks tool we had a chief stack nearly 50 percent likely to be the top scoring stack on the slate so what do you make of Patrick Mahomes, 8,500 on DraftKings, also coming in at big ownership? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's no shock here. There's nothing to talk about. I mean, it's it's Atlanta, right? And it's Atlanta on the road, too, which is uh, like even a scarier proposition for their defense. You know, a, a secondary that's been attackable all year, uh, now going up against like the, the probably the league's MVP. I mean, it's... Um, it's hard to see. It's almost like when the, the Chiefs went up against the Jets. It's just hard to see Mahomes not putting up 30 points, right? So um, 8,500 for him and, and 8,500 for Kelsey. You know, there, there was some, there was some uh, issues uh, like earlier in the, um, in the week, uh, perhaps Tyree Kill's uh, um, hamstring that, that could get people worried, a little bit worried, I guess, with him. Uh, he's obviously going to play. I think that's kind of more the question. It's not, do you want exposure to Mahomes? It's who do you stack him with this week? Probably just going with Kelsey is, is the better option, but that is going to be a little bit chalky. So, you know, that's the only thing to think about. Um, there's not much else to think about here with Mahomes. I mean, look, if you're making one lineup, I, I don't necessarily think you have to play him, but um, at the same time, you know, obviously you're, it's, it's a player that you're going to want exposure to. I don't know. What, what's your feeling? Do you, do you feel like uh, like you're you're in a spot where you might be going underweight? I think my biggest problem with Mahomes is there's really only one, maybe two guys that I see as like really viable other good options, whereas everyone else is kind of just in like a almost crapshoot situation. Yeah, actually, I'd find it even better if Tyreek Hill was to be ruled out just because we have all these value options to stack because to, to, Mahomes is going to have, uh, I think, a million points anyway, regardless whether Tyreek Hill is in or not. Uh, and then also Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. I lean more towards Kelsey just because he's out of position that's harder to fill and he's a little bit cheaper. If I wanted to stack Mahomes with somebody who's a little bit more of a contrarian option, McCole Hardman, who's always been an upside play, but is really hard to nail down just because all of a sudden it'll be like, oh, Hardman just didn't get snaps today. He he didn't he didn't <laughs> he didn't catch passes when he was on the field. But you look at last week, nine targets for McCole Hardman. That ties for a career high for him. I think that's a really interesting trend. He was massively inefficient with his targets last week. He only caught three of nine for 22 yards. So a total of 22 yards on, on nine targets, but he did score a touchdown on one of them. 
But you consider that kind of volume going to an upside player like Nicole Hardman in in a, in a spot against the Falcons, who are not a good defense with with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. I think there's a lot of upside there, and, and Hardman's nearly min price. Yeah, I know. I, I was a little bit shocked to see his price too uh, this week, and I, I completely agree with you on Hardman. Um, even if if Mahomes, even if uh, Tyreek plays, excuse me, I think Hardman's an interesting target. So. Yeah, I think, and I really, I think it kind of makes Mahomes even more interesting because when you can pair him with a chief receiver like that, um, you know, it just makes it so much easier. I mean, you don't have to necessarily even worry about his price, right? It's like you use him with Hardman, and you can use him with Kelsey too if you want and go triple stack. But um, you doing that, it, it really just cuts down the cost of your of your QB. It's almost like he he becomes a sixty five hundred dollar quarterback, right? So, yeah, there's there's not much bad to say about um Patrick Mahomes it's really how much how much do you like the other quarterbacks in play uh it, it, like is, is there anyone else that you're really in love with there and and is it worthwhile I mean that that's kind of the just the the only question for me I mean like I said uh when we first started talking about this there's really only a couple other guys I'm looking at like I I just don't really feel like this is uh a slate where you want to go too deep with quarterback and Mahomes um you know, Greg mentioned that the, the stacks will, the stacks tool and stuff <laughs> on Osimo. I mean, uh, we haven't really seen projections as high all year. So definitely a week where just going overboard on Mahomes isn't a bad idea. Getting at least field weight isn't a bad idea. And then spreading out your exposure elsewhere. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is, is when we consider the opportunity cost of so somebody like Mahomes, there is no Dalvin cook. There is no Derek Henry on the slate. So we don't have a single running back on DraftKings priced over 8,000. Uh, Nick Chubb is really overpriced on FanDuel at 9,000, but he's also the only running back on either site that's priced over 8,000. So there isn't some opportunity cost where it's like, oh, I'm missing out on Dalvin Cook. I'm missing out on Derrick Henry. There is nothing like that exists here. So that makes me also a little more apt to spend up at quarterbacks than I would be on other slates. Now, in terms of a pivot play, Lamar Jackson at 8,000, it is a much tougher matchup for him going up against the Giants than what Patrick Mahomes has. But with that said, look at the recent production for Lamar Jackson. He scored over 30 fantasy points in back-to-back weeks. He's running the ball a lot more now than he did earlier in the season. So comparing the ownership, if you get Lamar Jackson, who at about the fifth, the ownership that Patrick Mahomes has, I think he makes for a good pivot play, and it's perfectly reasonable to run Lamar Jackson out there naked. Also, there's there's no need to try to stack him with one of those wide receivers or Mark Andrews. Yeah, I, I am... Mm. I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. The Giants, to me, are just a no-go at this point, though. Um, I, I don't know what it is about the Giants, to be honest, but it, it's just really – I guess they're just playing good defense. Let's just leave it at that because regardless of who they've gone up against this year, the, the, the QBs just bust. Like, they, they just they just bust. And, again, I don't know if it's because the Giants just play at a, such a slow pace or if their defense is just really that good at shutting people down, but – Every single time uh, the, the Giants defense has come out and, and just made like games ugly. I mean, they, they're hitting unders at a huge pace. Um, everything about this team is just terrible for fantasy, quite frankly, this year. So uh, I, I think for me, it, it's it, like Jalen Hurts is by far the only other, the, the best secondary option. I shouldn't say the only other option because there's definitely a couple of other guys you could think about. But uh, to me, it's Jalen Hurts. Um, against Dallas again this this matchup with Dallas reminds me of just so much with last week with Arizona two teams that are top 10 in pace um Dallas is terrible against guarding against the rush just in general uh kind of similar to like Arizona was bad at guarding against Russian QBs uh Philly's probably going to allow a few points to the air which is great for Hertz Hertz is obviously developing as a passer now he gets a weaker even a weaker secondary and a weaker pass rush to go against I mean, he was under fire for, for a lot of that Arizona game. He, he's probably not going to have the same kind of pressure. So I know the price is up, but like uh, you're asking me Lamar Jackson or Hertz, I'll take the higher ownership on Hertz and save a bit of money. I, I think he's got just, it's just a far, far better spot. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be on Hertz again. I, also, the other thing too is I feel so proud to talk about Hertz now when, when we bring up, it's like, it's like, hey, we, we were on him when he was, when, oh, when he was nearly min price. Nobody wanted to play him. People in the chat are yelling at us, stop talking about Jalen Hurts. He's a, he's washed. People are calling him washed before he's even stepped on the field once. And and look at him now. I mean, you can, you can make a case that he's pretty likely to be a top five running back. I mean, running back quarterback next year, but maybe running back yeah. too. But, I mean, there's not very many quarterbacks I'd want over Jalen Hurts from a fantasy perspective going forward. So, Jalen Hurts, another quarterback also who, running quarterback, I don't think we have to stack him with somebody. Yeah, absolutely you don't. Um, you know, but there are cheaper options out there. Like, if you if you want to fade 
the 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 Chiefs chalk completely. You can go Hertz and Goddard and load up at stubs uh, studs in the in the other positions, right? So um, it, it's completely viable to to do something like that. I mean, uh, I, I think if I was going to stack him too, that's probably where I'd go. the The Eagles wide receiver situation is just a, a complete roll of the dice. Obviously, I tried to make a Jalen Rager call last week. It ended <laughs> up being Greg Ward. It'll probably end up being Jalen Rager this week. So you know, something like that. But I, Goddard and Ertz are getting card targets, right? And, and Goddard is still playing more than Ertz. So I think if you stack Hurts with someone, uh, you go to the tight end position because, again, it, you know, if you're going to fade Mahomes, you, you can fade Kelsey too. And you can play Kelsey with Hurts too. I mean, that, that's fine. But, um, you know, if you're going to do the full fade, definitely going cheap uh, with an Eagles tight end is something to think about. So where a lot of the field is going this week, surprisingly to me, is right back to Mitchell Trubisky, the second chalkiest quarterback on the slate. He scored 15 fantasy points last week, and people were like, yeah, give me more of that going up against the Jaguars. Yeah. Look, Trubisky's had some okay games this year, but on the whole, the upside has not been substantial enough for me to really want to roster him in GPPs. He did carry the ball eight times last week. That was a season high. That's kind of nice. But overall, he hasn't scored 25 fantasy points once this year. And the other thing, too, is we have so many high upside quarterbacks now that are running the football a lot, like guys like Jalen Hurts who are in the mix now. We've got the Sean Watson, obviously, also. It's just hard for me to see Mitchell Trubisky being a guy that I want to get anywhere close to the field on where he's picking up, you know, ownership in the teens and is the second most popular play on the slate. So, of course, Jeff, I always need your Mitchell Trubisky takes. So what do you, what do you make of your guy this week? Look, okay, I'll, I'll say this first about Mitch. He's playing really well. Uh, he, he's playing good. But the, your, Greg is 100% dead on. It's not translating necessarily to massive fantasy games. And I'm not sure why this is going to be any different against Jacksonville. You might get... 25 points out of them I don't I don't know if you're going to get more and and the big reason why is David Montgomery's playing well Matt Nagy if he has a running back who's producing is going to give the running back touches um and and we've got a a similar situation to last week yeah the Vikings uh, all of a sudden suck against the run uh Jacksonville sucked against everything this year so you know they come in and just look at their their game logs over the last little bit Nick Chubb Derrick Henry, uh, even Dobbins and, and, and Gus Edwards ate up this team. Like, Dave Montgomery's probably going to get another 30 touches here. He's running the ball really well, too. So I think that takes away from, from Mitch's upside. I, 100% in agreement with Greg here. I really like the way Mitch is playing. Uh, I think they made some good adjustments. They've, made, they've gone to more play-action pass, which has really helped them. Um, but, like, I, I, third, like we're just projected as like the second highest ranked quarterback uh, for ownership, 13.8% owned Hertz is lesser owned. I don't get that at all at all. Um, Hertz is in a far better situation. Like I said, the Philly defense more likely to give up points here, uh, more likely to get in a shootout style of game. He Hertz should be the one who's, who's the second highest owned for me. And realistically, if I'm going to a cheaper quarterback, uh, I'm going to throw out a name here that, uh, that I actually really like this week. And I'm surprised his ownership is so low as Baker Mayfield going up against the Jets. The Jets, I, I know it's the Jets, and uh, okay, they're going to win by 50, and everyone's scared of playing quarterbacks against the Jets. They've allowed the third most fantasy points per game. They've allowed, like, the second most passing touchdowns. That's how teams get their points against the Jets. We saw Mahomes do this, come in playing well, put up 35. I think Baker's going to have a really big day um, just throwing touchdowns because Baker's playing really well, and and the Browns will, will let him do that. And realistically, the Jets actually have a pretty good rush defense. Like, like I said, they're very much just a, a funnel defense. So I think, uh, I think ba- Baker is the better pivot there. He's only 6,100. His price hasn't moved at all. If you're going for a cheap QB, that's where I'd go in GPPs. Yeah, like Baker Mayfield, the other one who I think makes sense as a pivot in that same price range is Matt Ryan, who as much sure. as he's struggled this year, from a fantasy perspective, he's at least viable because he throws the ball a ton. So you look at last week, he had over 30 fantasy points, 49 pass attempts. And then you look at the matchup this week going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and you have to assume that he's going to be asked to throw the ball a similar amount of times. Because last week in a game against the against the Buccaneers, it was pretty high scoring. When he had that kind of pass volume, I mean, they're almost certainly going to be tra- trailing to the Chiefs early and probably very early in this game. And to keep up, they're going to need Matt Ryan to throw the ball. The Falcons can't run the ball at all. So, I mean, you keep that in mind. And Matt Ryan, I'm pretty confident, gets 40 to 50 pass attempts. And at his price, I think he's somebody with more upside than Trubisky and a third of the ownership. 100% agree with that. Uh, look, if Tua can put up 31 against the Chiefs, I mean, Matt Ryan <laughs> can do something similar, right? So, yeah, I, I, the Chiefs are just playing. And and realistically, you almost want, like, worse 
team's quarterbacks against the Chiefs. I know that sounds weird, but you want a team that's going to get down like 21 to the Chiefs because once the Chiefs get up that that amount, their defense just just takes a vacation. Like they really do. They start playing a little riskier. They they play prevent and they start going for interceptions. But it leads to a ton of yards and and it generally leads to garbage scores. So it's a little risky. I mean, you could see the Chiefs get up by like 30 in this game and then the the Falcons could just run the ball or pull Matt Ryan or something stupid like that. But I don't think that's going to happen. The Atlanta's still got Calvin Ridley out there. They they still got like a bunch of receivers. Um, I I, I agree 100%. Matt Ryan's probably going to throw the ball 50 times here. So yeah, I'd throw Matt Ryan right in there beside Baker Mayfield um, uh, as a a cheap QB option over Mitch for me as well. And, um, but, you know, again, we, I, I mentioned the small player pool. That's pretty much where it starts and stops for me. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson against Cincy, maybe, maybe it's a bit of recency bias. I, I don't really want to target anyone against Cincy right now. They're just kind of playing slow and ugly, a little bit like the Giants. Their defense is actually playing a little bit better than people realize, too. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, I always like Justin Herbert. I think I'd probably rather play him than Watson, but uh, realistically, just pay down for Jalen Hurts. It's hard for me to to, um, you know, just kind of make myself uh, confident in playing that when Hurts is less expensive, right? So, um, and and that's pretty much uh, where, where it starts and stops. Russ Wilson against uh, the Rams, I guess he could take a shot there, but I don't know. I, I just I just limit it to the guys Greg and I mentioned, quite, quite frankly. All right, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. So transitioning over to the running back position now, I find this a really difficult one to figure out because we have two uber chalk running backs. We've got Austin Eckler, David Montgomery coming in at about 30%. I've basically just pissed on David Montgomery every single week for last month, and he just crushes every week. So now I'm in this spot where it's like, am I bought into David Montgomery now? Because (laughs) the field is way in on him, and he's had four very good games in a row. It's, it's still, though, it's kind of hard for me to trust that David Montgomery is this guy now. But with that said, there have been some material changes to the, to, to the Bears this year, whereas the offensive line is healthy, the offensive line is playing very well. So it's not like David Montgomery himself has just transformed over the last month into some totally world-beater running back. He's got help around him. And then I also think it does help that they made a quarterback change also. So starting at these two chalky running backs, Jeff, between Eckler and Montgomery – do you think either of them are going over-owned? And if you could only roster one of them, which would it be? Oh, yeah, it is a weird week. Um, you know, I, I was not really expecting to see Austin Eckler up here at, at this kind of ownership, um, but that, that's kind of where we are, obviously. Denver's rush defense has been has been uh, trending in the wrong direction. They're allowing, like, almost six yards per carry over the last, like, three or four games. I... I, I think Eckler is probably going a little bit over on this. The player is only playing 60% of the snaps. Uh, you could get in a situation where, where Bailage just pips a, a couple red zone touchdowns and all of a sudden you're left with like, Oh, okay. Austin Eckler is like a hundred, you know, 80 yards rushing 30 yards passing, but he didn't score. He doesn't have that monster game. I like Austin Eckler. He's projecting out really well uh, and awesome. I think he's actually the highest projected player uh, at RB on the main slate, but like David Montgomery is not coming off the field, man. Uh, is going up against Jacksonville, and and again, the the thing about Montgomery is he, he's playing well. Like uh, I, I I noticed this last week. He didn't Montgomery. It was so weird last week because Montgomery was a great GPP play, but you actually didn't really need to play him because so many other RBs uh, went off. So it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I celebrated, yay, but it was like I, I could have just played anyone at, at RB, <laughs> like on the same point. So um, it was a weird week, but uh, yeah, Montgomery's playing well. I, I prefer him there, even if it's just a tiny little bit uh, less around. I think you got to play him. Uh, Bears are going to ride this horse to the ground, as we've already seen, and uh, Jacksonville's Jacksonville. So um, lots of ways for Montgomery to pay off. Uh, I think Eckler has a little bit more bust potential. Not that he doesn't have upside. Like I said, the Denver rush defense has been bad, but you ask me to pick between the two, I'm going to pick Montgomery. Yeah, so here's what makes me feel a little bit better about Montgomery than I did the last couple of weeks is, is the amount of touches he got. So last week, yeah. like you said about them being willing to run him into the ground, he got 32 carries for 146 yards. So he wasn't even all that efficient, but that's just so many carries to get for him. Whereas the last few weeks before that, it was 11 carries, 17 carries, and 11 carries. And he was just averaging like 10 yards per carry. And I was just looking at it saying like, hey, if David Montgomery is going to average five yards per carry as opposed to 10, then he's just a crappy play at running back. Instead, he still averaged those five yards per carry. He averaged five yards per carry, but he got the ball over 30 times. 
So if we now know that the Bears are willing to give Montgomery that many touches on the ground, it makes him a much stronger and safer play than I felt about him before. Uh, if I have to roster one of these two, it's going to be Montgomery for me also. I understand that Eckler, we haven't projected a lot higher, but I'm always a little wary of Eckler in the type of game where the Chargers are favored because he's somebody who gets so many of his fantasy points through the passing game. Like you look at what happened last week where they ended up winning against the Raiders. So he only got targeted four times. Whereas the weeks before that, where which were games that were either closer or they were trailing, he got nine targets, nine targets, and 16 targets. So to me, Eckler benefits a little bit more from them being down than being uh, ahead. And since the Chargers are favored in this game, I, I think that Montgomery's slightly better play. But with that said, I think I'm probably going to be overweight to both of them. So when, you, when it comes to Eckler for you, are you going to be underweight to him or about the fields or still overweight anyway, Eve, even if you prefer Montgomery? Yeah, I'd probably be. Yeah, and it's a good point to make because, like, realistically, who else are you? I, and I think it's a good strategy. Like, who else are you going to go crazy overweight on here? Um, like, I don't mind, like, a Miles Sanders or a Nick Chubb play at all. But, uh, again, with those players, you don't have to go be too crazy on ownership to go overweight, right? So I'll probably say it's more likely, like, field average with Eckler and then overweight Montgomery. And then and then you can sprinkle those other guys in, right? I think that's probably the strategy for me that that looks like the most viable at this point. Um, you know, you could go even just go like slightly overweight Eckler and more overweight Montgomery, but I'm kind of looking more like field average Eckler and then, uh, you know, get my, get my ownership on Montgomery. And then I can sprinkle in guys like Chubb and guys like Miles Sanders, who I don't mind this week. Um, and, uh, I think make for at least good GPP pivots. So. And then what do you make of Le'Veon Bell this week? We have, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not expected to play. He has been ruled out for the, for the game. So obviously it's a favorable matchup for, for Le'Veon Bell going up against the Falcons. The question I have though, is what kind of workload do you think the chiefs will give him? Yeah. Will he be a guy who they give just a bell cow role without CEH in there and just let Le'Veon Bell touch the ball 20 plus times. I mean, he did get 16 touches last week, or is it going to be a situation where they work in Williams and some of these other running backs? Oh yeah, it probably is to be honest. Um, you know, they, they got, they going to have to look for the Darwin Thompson news and stuff like that. I kind of assume he's going to be active. Uh, although if he's not, it, it's definitely going to give Lev Bell a boost. Like I think Williams, Daryl Williams is going to get some touches, but uh, you know, it's hard for me to see Daryl Williams getting like more than 30% of the snaps. Uh, I think that's generally where you'll probably see him fit in. So I think Bell is, is very much kind of in the line for like an Eckler type of role. Um, uh, but the, you know, the, the only thing about that, you say that I say that and it sounds really good. Right. But the thing about that is the chiefs can move the ball so well through the air. Like they don't necessarily have to give Lev Bell a bell cow work workload, even if he is playing 60% of the snaps. Right. So I think bell is, is a good play. I don't think he's necessarily like a great play. Like I, I like him, but I, I think the other player in this range now with Philip Lindsay out is, is Melvin Gordon. Right. And it's it was really close for me before the the start of the week between Gordon and Bell and it, I kind of pushed Gordon over over Lev Bell right now. Um, it, you're just in a spot where we know the Broncos like to give Melvin Gordon the ball. They're going up against the Chargers, not really a good run defense there, and it is the Chargers who will just allow big plays anyways, right? So um, I think Gordon's more likely to get like a like a twenty carry twenty touch game than Bell is, even though um, you know Bell's probably going to play sixty percent of the snaps. So. That's kind of where I'm looking at these two right now. I think they're both good plays. I slightly lean Gordon right now. Yeah, I, I like Gordon a little bit too. The other thing also to consider uh, with Philip Lindsay out is that there's going to probably be a little bit more passing game work for Melvin Gordon. Uh, something that's already been trending upward last two weeks, four targets and three targets. That might not seem like a ton, except when you consider that he had back-to-back games with no targets against the Dolphins and the Saints. To see him getting a little bit more involved in the pass game, that's encouraging. Uh, one other guy that I think that really makes a lot of sense in this cheap range is Giovanni Bernard. I'm surprised that he isn't picking up any ownership because two weeks ago he fumbled on his first touch of the game and basically was banished to the bench for, for the rest of the first half. But then you look at last week where he got very involved in the, in the game against the Steelers on, was it Sunday or Monday Night Football? But either way, 25 carries for Giovanni Bernard, by far a season high, ended up having 83 yards, a pair of touchdowns. So that kind of workload for Bernard, he's sub 5K, not picking up ownership, favorable matchup against the Texans. I think that's a really good play. I assume his ownership has to change because I don't know how people are looking at a 4,800 Giovanni Bernard and just nobody is rostering him. But if this ownership stays the same, then he's one of my value plays for minimal ownership. 
Yeah, I, I think the reason why his ownership is is suppressed a little bit is, is well, there's a couple reasons. A, I'm, I just feel like with this slate, um, people are just like, well, I don't necessarily have to play a cheap running back, right? Like there's value of receiver. People like to play cheap tight ends. So I think that's probably what's doing a little bit of it. And people just want are trying to take the sure things in Eckler and Montgomery. But, um, you know, to your point too, Daryl Henderson is 4,500 too this week with, with no Cam Akers. So that's the other thing suppressing his ownership. I, I'm with you though. Um, look, I, lo- I really like me some Daryl Henderson, but I, I think I'd rather play Gio Bernard for DFS. This is the worst rush defense in the league we're talking about in the Texans. We even get 16 geo touches here. I mean, this th- that might be all we need. I mean, you look at fantasy points per touch to the DRB position, Houston's dead last. Like, they, they are terrible, absolutely terrible in, in giving up points uh, to the RB position. So, um, Gio Bernard looked pretty good last week. Uh, I, I agree. So, you know, the, the only worry here is we got Ryan Finley at quarterback, or quarterback you know, it, it could blow up in our faces, right? But I, I think the defense is so weak. I think the way Geo played last week, you got to kind of go with this. Um, and realistically, Henderson's got a bad matchup against Seattle. I mean, Seattle's rush defense is good. Their D-line is playing really well. I don't really want to touch that. So, um, yeah, for me, uh, I, under 5K, Geo is where it starts for sure. Uh, I see people on like Edo Smith. I don't want any part of Edo Smith. Um, Edo Smith, I didn't even know was in the league, you know, until like a couple weeks ago still. So, um, I don't want any part of that. And um, uh, yeah, I, I think Gio's the play there. I think the other riding back in this game is interesting too, but you know, is, is David Johnson going to get 11 targets again? Maybe be cool if he did. I don't know. I've rostered David Johnson enough at cheaper price points. And it's gone poorly enough that I don't really see a, I don't really have a desire to pay up 6,100 for David Johnson. If he was cheaper, I think we could consider him, but I'm almost yeah. positive. This is most expensive price point of the season. And fairly significantly, yeah, he's. This is the first time all season he's been above six thousand. He was only fifty one hundred last week. So yeah, I mean, I get that. Like last week, he had all at work in the passing game, but I don't think this is a game where they're going to need to throw him the ball a ton of times because the Texans should be able to beat the Bengals. I understand they beat the Steelers, but even so, what's the spread for this game? It is at just pulling up Odd Shopper really quick. We have the Texans favored by seven points over the Bengals. I have to consider that, that that's probably going to be accurate, despite what we saw a week ago from the Bengals. So I think they probably get ahead, and then there's not a need to throw the ball to David Johnson a million times through the air. It's, he is – like, Duke Johnson is out, right? So it, it, it's it's he's playing 80% of the snaps, or he played 80% of the snaps last week. It's still a pretty good spot, but, you, you, I mean, you're correct. Uh, I, I don't know if this tar- – I want this targeting to continue. Like, when David Johnson went to the Texans, I figured – we'd see way more of these style of games. I was just like, you know, at the start of the year, you're like, who is Deshaun Watson going to throw to? Okay. Will Fuller will obviously get some targets, but like realistically, what else is he going to do? It makes sense if they use David Johnson as a receiver, he's a really good receiver, but they didn't do that. And then all of a sudden last week, when all my best ball teams with David Johnson were eliminated, they started (laughs) to throw him the ball. Like it was very tilting, Greg. So I, I have a feeling you're going to see a little bit of continuation here. And I do like the spot, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, David Johnson's my favorite play of the slate because I, it could be a full-on rug pull situation where, you know, he gets three targets again, he gets like 15 carries, and Deshaun Watson just does Deshaun Watson things and carries the Texans. So it's a risky play. Uh, I think from a p- price perspective, Geo's probably the better play, but I do kind of like both those RBs. Now, one other thing I'll bring up is, as it uh, pertains to David Johnson, Buddy Howell, the last time that Johnson was out, and it was the Duke Johnson and Buddy Howell backfield, Howell carried the ball 11 times against the Bears. So it's not like it's going to be solely David Johnson's backfield. We saw Buddy Howell get double-digit touches in the game earlier in the season, so I think he's going to be involved too. It's not going to be some situation where David Johnson's getting, you know, 100% of the snaps. So so that's something else to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, he's, he's still a little bit of an injury-prone back, and, uh, yeah, they, they generally do mix other guys in with him. So, um I think, I mean, Chubb a little bit, uh, Sanders. Again, those guys are more sort of your, your players you're looking for big plays from to, to reel off. I think I think Chubb uh, is probably, well, I don't know, man. Like, Miles Sanders is getting, it, Miles Sanders is interesting. I kind of want to talk about it a bit. Because he is, like, the last two weeks, Miles Sanders has seen an increase in snap shares with Jalen Hurts, which is kind of weird to me. But uh, obviously his PPR work isn't good, but they are kind of just pounding him into the line a lot. Uh, Doug, Doug Peterson is trying to get this RPO going. And 
this is a pretty bad Dallas run defense. Like they're they're last in yards per carry. So um, do you have any preference between Chubb and Sanders? Or are you just like crossing those guys off? I, I, I could see myself playing some Sanders just because of what I've seen from the Eagles the last little bit, but he's, he's completely boomer bust. Yeah. So, I mean, being honest, I will likely be somewhere around the field with them. I just don't have strong leans for or against. And then, yeah. I mean, I, I usually play 150 lineups. So I'm looking at players like that who it's like, Hey, I think this guy is upside but not necessarily a player I'm all that confident relative to the price point. And there's a good chance I end up with like 10% of both of them, which I do a lot. There'll be guys who I think like, oh, this guy has potential to break a slate or ruin a lineup. And I'll just kind of hold hands with the field on them. And that that's probably where I'm at with these guys. Yeah, I, I don't have super strong takes. Like I said, I, I could see myself being like slightly overweight to a guy like Sanders. Um, but I do like the Cleveland pass game. So I'm, I'm not sure about Chubb. I, I was actually hoping Chubb would get a little bit higher ownership. His ownership has gone up a little bit as the week has gone. And the reason I want him to get a little bit higher owned is because then, you know, the, the Cleveland pass game becomes a better leverage spot. Right. But um, uh, I mean, the, the passing players on Cleveland definitely going to be lower on than Chubb. So I still think that works out. It's just maybe not as like huge a spot as it could be, but uh, interesting to see how that works out by Sunday. Other than that, I, I mean, you could sprinkle in some Daryl Williams as like a, a Lev Bell kind of, Leverage spot as well off of Lev Bell, uh, kind of the pivot point there. I don't know, man. I, I don't really have anyone else to to, to mention here. Um, feel like again, you know, ten game slate. You don't want to go too or too crazy. Yeah, so we could transition over the to wide receiver position because I don't have any other running backs that I want to mention either. Uh, when we start with the wide receivers, I think we have to talk about some of the high price guys on the slate. And for now, let's just assume that all these guys are playing because we do have of the four highest projected wide receivers for us in terms of fantasy points, we have three of them on the injury report. So Terry McLaurin, who's yet to practice this week, it seems pretty likely that he's going to end up sitting, uh, but he's currently question, uh, doubtful to play, actually. Then we've got Tyree Kill. He's questionable after being limited in practice for a lot of the week. And then we also have Allen Robinson, who's been limited in practice this week. He is questionable to play. So the one really healthy guy of the top four projected wide receivers is Calvin Ridley. Is he the guy that makes the most sense to pay up for at the position? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I would say yes. And second of all, guys, let's hit that like. Greg mentioned he wants for Christmas like likes and subscriptions. <laughs> let's get to over 100 for him, making a Merry Christmas for Greg. Uh, he needs he feeds off these likes, guys, and he just absolutely feeds off them. So it's hit that like button, guys. Uh, we'd smash it if you could. We'd appreciate it. But, yeah, back to Greg's point, um, I do think Calvin Ridley is, is the number one play. Uh Again, we, we've seen his targeting now with, with Julio Jones just be so consistent. Uh, Atlanta really has no run game uh, to speak of. You know, Todd Gurley is dust. Everyone else there is kind of terrible. Uh, and realistically, they're going to be behind in this game, like 14 nothing before you can blink. So, um, yeah, really should uh, – really just from a volume perspective should 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 turn up here. I mean, he, he might get 18 targets in this game. Really wouldn't shock me if something crazy like that happens. So, um, I, I think I prefer him over Tyree Kill again. Hill could be in a situation where he he might even score a long touchdown, but he might only get like six targets. Like we've seen that in some of Casey's games where they get ahead. They just don't use him that much. They just toss, they play, they play pitch and catch with, with Travis Kelsey down the field. And, uh, you know, Hill just kind of ends up taking a, like a lazy day with like six targets and yeah, he gets in the end zone, but he doesn't do anything crazy. So for me, you got to go with the volume in this spot and the volume that's guaranteed is Calvin Ridley. Uh, I liked him last week. I'm I, I, player. I definitely kicking myself for not getting more of, uh, I, although, I mean, I, you know, played some Deandre Hopkins too, so it wasn't too bad, but um, definitely uh, in play this week, you know, he's up there second highest owned uh, projected right now, but who else are you going to pay up for this week? Um, I, I think that's part of the the equation here. Um, Calvin Ridley is, is it's okay to fit in. I mean, you could even play him with, uh, Kelsey and, and the homes, if you wanted to, uh, th there's, there's value options out there at, at all positions to help you do that. So yeah, Ridley for me, the number one play. Yeah. And then, I mean, talking on that volume, no Julio Jones this week, the targets in the last five games for Calvin Ridley, nine, nine, 10, 12, 14. So it's a ton of passing game work. And the other thing also is like we said, the chiefs are probably going to smash in this spot. The Falcons are going to have to throw the ball a ton. So a lot of opportunity for Calvin Ridley to pick up garbage time points in the second half of that game. If we're looking at some contrarian options, DK Metcalf, who's seen his price dip pretty significantly over the last couple of weeks, we saw him go from 8,200 to 84 to 86, now down to 7,800, the cheapest price he's had in over a month. It is a matchup against the Rams and Jalen Ramsey. 
With that said, only 6% ownership for DK Metcalf. Is he somebody that makes sense to you as a contrarian play when all of these other high-end options are picking up so much more ownership? So I do like looking at Seattle, but I, I think I prefer Lockett um, here. You can definitely pay up for Metcalf, but I, I just feel like the matchup here, I, I think Seattle and I think Russ uh, are, are just too smart to get baited into necessarily this Jalen Ramsey stuff. And we've seen this in the past. Uh, I, I feel like this could end up being like one of those Tyler Lockett games where he just goes bananas uh, just because, you know, the Rams make such a big deal about this Jalen Ramsey and, um, and, and, and DK Metcalf matchup. Whereas Seattle has two wide receiver ones, essentially, or, or whatever you want to call them. And they've got another dominant wide receiver and Russell just worked that matchup. So Maybe, maybe it ends up DK Metcalf just, you know, ends up, uh, you know, making Jalen Ramsey's son. He's definitely got, got the, the capabilities to do that too. And, and if Russ gives him a few targets, uh, you know, Metcalf could easily end up breaking like a couple long plays. So I think though the volume is going to go to Lockett here. He's actually done pretty good against the Rams. Uh, you look back at their game earlier, that, that's kind of what Seattle was trying to do. They couldn't do it just because uh, – I mean, quite frankly, they just didn't play well and their line didn't play very well that game, but they were trying to get the ball to lock in that game. Um, and, and I think they're going to have more success here uh, this week doing it. Uh, I think they're playing a little bit better and I think the Rams are kind of ripe to be taken here. So I'm looking at lock it as a GPP pivot move. Realistically, both these guys are in play, love the low ownership, but for me, it's going to be lock it this week. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that he has upside just because we've seen very significant upside from him this season. But it's been three months since he had a good game. And I'm just done chasing Tyler Lockett and points from him because it's he, he's just a guy who he's not having a very good season. He has those couple individual games. But other than that, I mean, he's been ridiculously inefficient. You look at last week, 34 yards on seven targets, 52 yards on five targets, 63 yards on nine targets. He hasn't had over 100 receiving yards since week seven, and that was a game against the Cardinals where he 200 yards and three touchdowns. So I don't know what the deal is with Tyler Lockett, but he's generally sucked this year, and it's been a long time since he's played well. And I chased points from him in some of those games, and I've kind of given up on him at this point. And the other thing, too, is I could justify playing him if he was cheaper, but his price never really goes down. He's still 6,500. He spent most of the year in that mid-6K to low-7K type range, and it's just hard for me to pay up for him when there's other guys in his price range that I'd rather get to. I just, I just don't know why it is he's struggling so much, but it's been enough of a sample size of him playing poorly that I'm, I'm just not going there anymore. Do you have any insight? Or I, I know this is putting you on the spot a little bit, but why do you think it is that he had these two massive games this year that just sucked in 15 other games? No, no. I, and look, it's a fair question. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a playing poorly issue. I, I think it's a, it's a what Seattle is doing issue uh and part of what seattle is doing is playing better on defense and they've slowed down their they've purposely slowed down their pace on offense a little bit they got chris carson back running the ball a touch more uh versus early in the season so um and, and with that it, with that in mind they, they also have dk metcalf so it's not like all the targets are going to go to tyler lockett every game right i think it's just been circumstance personally. And that's why I don't mind taking a shot with him. Like, I think the upside is still there. It, it's, it's still the same. It's still the same player QB combo and it'll probably pop up at some point. And look, it's a risky play. If this was, if this had a little, if this slate had a little bit better options, I probably wouldn't even be talking about Tyler Lockett this week, but uh, realistically, you know, like our other options in this range to me are like Deontay Johnson and, and, and T.Y. Hilton in, in, in like a defensive battle, right? So, and I kind of like both those guys too, but I think Lockett has just as much upside as those guys in a similar situation. So to me, Lockett has been kind of a victim of circumstance. Uh, like I said, I don't think Seattle's going to necessarily be able to run the ball as much this week. And I think they really want to win this game. And I think they're just going to come out and just let Russ win this game. That, that, that's kind of my, my take on this whole thing. So I think part of them doing that will be to get Lockett going. It's a, it's a risky call by me, and it's kind of just a, I'm trying to read the tea leaves here of, of how Seattle has gone this year. Um, obviously, like I've, I've seen them play a lot. I've watched all the games, et cetera. I just think that this really makes sense for them to do that. I don't have any, any extra like rumors or insight or anything. I just think that this is a spot for Tyler Lockett to get off the mat because realistically he's too good a player and he's got too good a quarterback to just bust the rest of the year. So, so let's hit on some of the uh, value at wide receiver position. Somebody who you mentioned there that I actually think makes for a good contrarian option is T.Y. Hilton at 5,500. He was yeah. somebody who looked basically finished the entire season. Everybody makes fun of anybody who recommends T.Y. Hilton online. And then all of a sudden he breaks out in a big way where he scores 
18 fantasy points, 28, 26 in three games in a row. Then kind of a, a dud last week against the Texans. Not totally terrible, but four catches for 71 yards, didn't score a touchdown. So definitely a step back from what he had been doing. But the other thing here with T.Y. Hilton, everybody's off him now. Where everybody was, everybody was off him, he plays well. And, well, everybody was on him. Then he plays well. Everybody gets off him while he plays well. Then everybody gets back on him for the one game where he duds again. And now everybody's jumped off him again. It is a tough matchup against the Steelers. Maybe, though, because the Steelers have looked much worse in recent weeks than they did earlier in the year. So T.Y. Hilton, the guy who seems like he's grooving a little bit better with Phillip Rivers now as the season goes on, I like him for a bounce back. He still got, he still got targeted seven times last week. So at the low ownership at, for T.Y. Hilton, I think he's a pretty good value play. Yeah, are you trying to say that you you've been making fun of me online for telling people to play T.Y. Hilton then, Greg? Is oh that no, I was I was mostly making fun of Spags actually. Okay, does he? Oh right, yeah, because he likes to play T.Y. Hilton every week. Okay, good. At least I know there's someone else out there who's been on the T.Y. Hilton train this week or this year. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Like everyone was on him last week, and now everyone's off him. The matchup isn't that bad. Pittsburgh's defense has been terrible at guarding against wide receivers of late. Not terrible, but but not as good. Like they have allowed big plays. Um, right. You know, we saw, we've seen Marquise Brown get behind this defense. Steph Diggs absolutely ate up this defense. And I'm not necessarily putting uh, T.Y. Hilton on the, the Steph Diggs uh, level, but like this is still the team's best uh, wide receiver. He's shown better connection with, with Rivers. There's, there's a chance here. These two just, just start, uh, just start, you know, connecting early in this game and, and giving uh, the Steelers a little bit of trouble. I think, I think T.Y. Hilton is a good style of wide receiver to go up against the Steelers. Um, you know, he, he's not going to try and out physical like the, 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 the Steelers uh, cornerbacks. So I think, it, I think it's a good matchup there. I think Deontay Johnson on the other side, again, just a player getting that many targets at this low ownership. I'll always take a shot with those guys. Uh, I think Deontay Johnson might even be uh, in a little bit of a better spot here. So um, I like both wide receivers in this game. I also think this game has, has a little bit of sneaky shootout potential um, I, I know that's tough to say, like with the, how bad the Pittsburgh offense has gone looked lately, but you know, the, realistically they had a better second half. Um, this is, this is a very big game for Pittsburgh. Very big uh, Like they have to get off the mat here at the very least. They got to make this game close so that when they go into their game with Cleveland week 17, they got some momentum. So I'm expecting Pittsburgh's offense to do some things here. And that, that obviously leads me to think that Deontay Johnson is, is going to be in play. So um, I like both wide receiver ones on both these sides. Love the fact that they're going like completely, completely underowned. I mean, uh, you know, probably going to see them at like under 10% for sure and possibly even far lower. So uh, like, uh, like a little bit of sneaky shootout potential. I'm not going to play the quarterbacks here or anything. Cause you know, I look, like we got two guys who aren't going to run for any yards and, and you know, why would you not play mobile quarterbacks in the league at this point? But uh, Hilton and, um, and uh, blah. What's his face? Deontay Johnson. I haven't drank any coffee yet today, people. So um, Deontay Johnson, T.Y. Hilton, uh, both in play for me. You know what's funny about the Steelers is I was pushing really hard to bet Patrick Mahomes for MVP online for the last couple of months. And yeah. the biggest pushback I got when he was plus money was people were saying, Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers are going to go undefeated and people are going to give Ben Roethlisberger votes. And the funny thing is I was a little nervous about that too because I was looking at the schedule. I was like, maybe they do run the table. They've got a lot of easy games on there. And then they just totally crap the bed and – totally a non-factor that now but it is funny that when i was betting Patrick Mahomes like plus 250 to an mvp and people like no nah, roethlisberger is going to be the guy when the steelers go undefeated and, and boy is that not the case i mean Mahomes is at that point too where you you almost feel like people are going to vote against him because they're like well Mahomes is going to win like eight mvps so let's give a sympathy vote to ben roethlisberger like you actually have to think about things like that so i kind of get your trepidation there MVP is such like a political thing too. Like, uh, like I said, like, like Rogers could end up winning it at this point, just for the similar reasons, although Rogers is actually playing good. So um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, but you're right. Like, I mean, it seems ridiculous to talk about it after the last four weeks. Uh, yeah. And I would hope Mahomes wins. Cause I like a five figure investment in him at plus money and he's minus 400 now. So there's certainly a lot of line value there. And I'm pretty happy with that. Cheering for a three interception game from Tennessee for you, Greg. Uh, I'm really just cheering for Aaron Rodgers to like get benched in week 17 and just play right. mediocre, but I'm pretty confident that Mahomes has it at this point. But another thing that I'm confident in is our awesome NBA DFS product and NBA DFS is here. And if you guys are a new customer and you have to try it, you can get $1 access through December 29th using the promo code Caruso. This gives you access to everything we have to offer for NBA regular season. 
projections, ownership projections, Slack chat, lineup builder, and much more. So sign up today. That is just $1 using the promo code Caruso, and that'll get you access for the next few days. So Jeff, let's hit on this tight end position. To me, I think it has to start with Travis Kelsey, 8,500. How much do you want to roster him? He's by far the chalk of the position. It makes sense. So let's just put it this way, because neither of us are going to talk the other one off of playing Travis Kelsey, but at 25% projected ownership, would you rather be over or under that number? Uh, probably over this week. <laughs> There's like one other viable option, in my opinion, and then everyone else is just like you're you're just praying. Like you're just praying something crazy kind of happens, right? Um, at least in my opinion, that's how this slate is setting up. So um, the, the other factor is here, like, you know, who, who would you rather be overweight on Travis Kelsey or Austin Eckler? We kind of mentioned Eckler and I think he's in a good spot, but for me, it's Travis Kelsey, right? Uh, if you, if you want to only pay up for like one stud running back and then pay up for Kelsey, maybe even Mahomes, um, th- th- you can do that. And then you can get at, at the very least at RB, you can get sensible pivots. You can go to maybe a geo for huge savings or David Johnson and take a risk that he's going to get those big targets. Those are sensible pivots. There's no sensible pivot you know, other than maybe Logan Thomas at tight end. Um, uh, I, I think that, that this is a spot where you probably just want to eat the chalk um, or go to Thomas. And, you know, I, I do kind of like Logan Thomas this week. The, the targets are insane. He's kind of like turned into the wide receiver one there. It's a great matchup, but there, there's, there's more risk with Logan Thomas than there is, I think, with those pivots at RBs. That, that, that's kind of my take on, on tight end this week. Yeah, I feel the same way. The other thing too is, there just isn't that much opportunity cost to rostering Travis Kelsey. Like there was last week or in other games where Travis Kelsey was really expensive because there aren't other guys to pay up for. So you could even make lineups that have Montgomery Eckler and Kelsey just because none of them are like nine K players, right? There isn't, there isn't this running back. We're looking to roster. Like I mentioned before, you know, Dalvin cook last week where he was 10,000. Then you had, was it 10,500 for Derrick Henry or something, something along those lines or or 9,500, 9,000. But the point being is that the players at the high end are cheaper this week. So it's easier to fit them into lineups. Uh, I know you mentioned there Logan Thomas as a, as a potential cheap tight end. Are there any other cheaper tight ends that you think make for okay plays on the slate? Uh, I mean, I mentioned God, uh, Goddard again, if you're going to play Hertz, uh, I don't think that's a, a terrible stack. I mean, you, you get Goddard uh, in the end zone once and look Goddard is, is a player who can, who could take like a 30 yard touchdown for it. I mean, he's got that capability and realistically he's playing the Cowboys. So I think Goddard is in play for, for Jalen Hurts stacks. I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh yeah, he's a great value play. Like you should go overweight on him or anything though. Um, I, I think being like field weight is fine or something, but I wouldn't go crazy. Zach Hurts is involved too. Could easily end up being Zach Hurts this week. Um, they're both playing like over 70% of the snaps. So there's risk with Goddard, but again, I don't mind him for, for Jalen Hurts stacks. Uh, you know, so I would definitely be the, the player I would try to sprinkle in there. Probably my number one target to stack there, but otherwise, I mean, yeah, go back to what Cole Komet, I guess. Um, I, I don't know. Um, that, that seems risky. I just don't think the targets are going to be there to make that viable. Um, yeah, I think the only other situation, maybe not the only other situation, but the other situation I'm kind of interested in is, is the Cleveland tight end situation uh, with, uh, with Austin Hooper. Uh, the Jets just terrible against guarding against tight ends. Uh, I mentioned I like their pass game. Actually, we didn't talk about Jarvis Landry. That was another wide receiver I really like. But, you know, I think people probably understand that I like Jarvis Landry because I like Baker Mayfield. So won't won't spend too much time on that. Um, uh, but, yeah, Austin Hooper kind of in play for similar reasons, right? Like if you're going to make like a triple stack with Baker Mayfield, you know, throwing Hooper in there with Jarvis Landry is fine. I mean, I think most people go Higgins. But, you know, Hooper uh, to me has at least, a, you know, that a really good touchdown upside here. Uh, after that, though, I'm not even going to bring up a cheap tight end because I just, I, there's really no one I really like. Yeah. Dallas Goddard for me. Uh, I'm going to echo the thoughts you said, if I'm going to roster Jalen hurts, most of those lineups are going to be naked without one of his pass catchers. But the ones that I do want to include one of them, it's going to be Dallas Goddard because you look at his target show over the last four games. And the other thing to consider too, is he was hurt earlier in the year, but since coming back, getting healthy, we've got 10 targets, seven targets, six targets, eight targets in the last four weeks. He's been the most targeted player in the Eagles offense. And there are targets to go around for both him and Ertz. Ertz was targeted seven times this last week and Goddard got eight targets. Goddard is the more efficient player at this point in their careers. And there's also not that much of a difference in price between the two. So at a cheap price, I think Dallas Goddard, 3,600 plus matchup against the Cowboys. He makes sense to me as being the cheap guy. So if I'm going expensive, it's going to be Travis Kelsey. If I'm going cheap, it's more often than not going to be Dallas Goddard. 
Defense and special teams, Jeff, any of them really stand out to you as a great play this week? So, yeah, just checking the ownership here again, though. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I, I do. I do like one. I, I like the Seahawks, 2,600. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, I think he's got, what, six? He's got, he's got five turnovers in his last four games. Uh, he's not playing well. I mean, I, I think this is kind of just floating under the radar here um, that, that Jared Goff has kind of turned back into a pumpkin, and I'm not necessarily shocked about it. And then you look at the Seahawks. The Seahawks have allowed 14.2 points per game over the last six games. Like they're playing good and they've had some weak quarterbacks in there, but they kind of have another weak quarterback in here too. Um, so, you know, their pass rushes up there, they're, they're top eight in sacks per game. They're getting interceptions and turnovers. Um, I think it's a really good spot for Seattle uh, at 2,600. I don't mind taking a shot on them at all. Love targeting golf. Um, you know, I, I see some of these other teams that are up there cheap. Like people want to play the Panthers the Broncos I mean I guess the Panthers have a little bit of of upside you know especially if Haskins starts but like the Texans you people want to yeah. play the Texans <laughs> I, I play Seattle man I think I think it's a really good pivot uh especially for GPPs again um this is a game where I think Seattle's just going to come out and really try and just you know dominate from start to finish obviously teams want to do that every week but um I, I just feel like they're playing better they got the better QB and their defense is on the tra- uptrend yeah, my main take on seeing the defense ownership is it makes me like Giovanni Bernard more. If Bernard's going to pick up no ownership and the Texans defense is going to be like 15 right. to 20% owned in GPP, right. that, that's the best way to get leverage there is getting some exposure to Giovanni Bernard. So just a couple minutes left, Jeff. So let's finish the way we always do. What is your favorite stack of the week? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, with my Baker Mayfield Jarvis Landry stack. I'm not going to necessarily say that you have to play um, you know, like Austin Hooper with them or anything like that, because you got to get exposure to some of these studs, but I really do like the spot for Baker. Um, you know, if we, if we, even if we just get like a 32, 33 point game, 35 point game from Mahomes, if Baker comes in around 28 or 30 points, I think the price savings there could, could really end up factoring in. I love Jarvis Landry against that secondary. So I'm going to go those two. Um, uh, again, you can still play Kelsey there and get exposure to the chiefs with those two. Uh, but I'm going to say Baker and Jarvis Landry today. Yeah, so I mean, I'm still going to go with Patrick Mahomes. I understand the ownership's really high, but I think the way that you get exposure to Mahomes and save salary while being contrarian, stack him with Nicole Hardman. Hardman only projecting for 3% ownership. He's nearly min-priced, targeted nine times last week. And then you also consider Tyree Kill a little bit banged up. Maybe he doesn't play the entire game. I think Hardman is a good GPP upside play, and that's a good way to save some salary in what should be chalkier Patrick Mahomes stacks. So that's going to wrap up the show this week. Guys, on the way out the door, do us a favor, thumbs up, and please subscribe to the YouTube channel because we got plenty of more great shows coming up for the rest of the day. We've got the NFL Strategy Show, NFL Live Before Lock, which is also going to be Jeff and I, and then NBA Live Before Lock. That is going to do it for us. Jordan, play the music out. 